This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Good morning and welcome to the Sober Yoga Show. I'm your host Kate Bendel and thank you for joining me this morning when we talk about alcohol and yoga and where's the interface and more importantly how yoga can help you as it helped me if you're struggling with the role alcohol is, has in your life at the moment. So this show is for for you. Stick around and listen if you yourself identify as either someone who drinks a little bit too much sometimes or at the other end of the continuum if you're someone who's drinking way too much frequently. I guess you could also fall somewhere in the middle there and equally perhaps it's not you but there may be somebody that you know and love who is struggling with alcohol at the moment. It's an incredibly common issue that we face however we still live in a society that's got this peculiar stigma attached to alcohol issues and often people are really slow to receive help because of that stigma and shame. So I'm hoping that if this show reaches your ears and you're one of those people, know that you're definitely not alone. There's a lot of us out there who struggle with alcohol and getting help is one of the important stages of dealing with this issue. So just a little very brief synopsis of my history with alcohol just to put things in context so you know you're listening to someone who's speaking from lived experience. So my name's Kate, as I said, Kate Bendel. Um, I'm now sober for 22, maybe 23 years. I've actually stopped counting, which is a miracle in itself if you are someone who's tried to give up before. Um, I used various methods for 10 years fairly unsuccessfully to try and curtail, control, moderate, all those things. I used counselling, rehab, 12 steps. Um, this was in my 20s. I was out of control with my drinking by the before I even entered my 20s actually. And it wasn't until I was in my early 30s that I discovered how yoga could help me in a way that none of those other things had quite managed to help me and have since dedicated my life really to being a yoga teacher and I now work with people one-on-one who are wanting to change their relationship with alcohol and bring yoga tools to to that process really. So what I want to talk to about this morning is the the broadest understanding of yoga and particularly how some of the attitudes that are inherent in the yoga school are particularly helpful when it comes to confronting or dealing with or ultimately changing 
the role alcohol has in our life. So yoga is a philosophy. It's not a series of exercises. It's an immense, broad philosophy. And yoga philosophy has eight limbs. So quite an easy metaphor that works is to imagine a tree, a tree with eight limbs, eight branches. This is called Ashtanga Yoga. Not to be confused with what you may have seen, there's a very athletic type of yoga that's been around for the last 40 years, which is also called Ashtanga Yoga. So I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to Patanjali, who was the sage, the rishi who compiled the Yoga Sutras thousands of years ago, and he referred to the system of Ashtanga Yoga, which has eight limbs. And asana, the movements that we see and most of us know and think of when we think of yoga, asana is the third limb. So it is one of one of eight. So it's not the full picture. And in the lineage where I have learnt and teach from, which is the Krishnamacharya lineage, it is considered unless you are practicing all eight you're not practicing yoga. You're just kind of tinkering. You're just doing one teeny bit. And to give some validity and weight to that, it's almost like if you think, if you yourself and your body, I mean, we only have four limbs as humans, but if you just are working on one and putting all your effort into one and growing one, you're going to end up with a say a super long leg or a super long arm you're going to be really wonky you're going to be out of balance it's not going to be a, it's not the result that you would be wanting so the same goes with yoga unless we're practicing all eight limbs and they're not to be done incrementally or one after the other they're, they're designed to be done at the same time that we're engaging in all of these eight limbs to consider ourselves really practicing yoga in its fullest potential. So if you're listening to this and you already do practice asana and you go to a class or you're practicing at home with YouTube and you are just doing the asana, it's not a waste of time. Don't feel like, oh my goodness, I'm not really doing yoga. We all start where we start, and what is easy and accessible and available is a great start. It's better than nothing. And I just want to explain that there's a lot more, and particularly if you're wanting to use this for the the therapeutic value, the transformational potential that yoga holds, you want to know about what those other limbs are, and you want to start being able to practice them and they're not all practices that happen on a mat or a formal outside practice so you can start some of them without having to go to a they don't happen in a special class so the first three limbs on this yoga tree are the first three limbs of ashtanga yoga are the first, well, the first two, actually, I'll just talk to the first two, which is mainly what I want to cover today in this show. So the first two are what's called yama 
and Niyama. So Yama and Niyama are attitudes. They are disciplines or ethics, you could think of them. So they're things that you don't practice on a yoga mat. They are things that over time you develop and they become imbued in your whole life. So you can be practicing yoga 24-7 when you're practicing the yama and the niyama. I'll cycle back soon and go into the yama in more detail today, but I just want to run through the eight limbs so you can just kind of get an idea of what they all are. So we have yama is the first limb. The second limb is niyama. Then we have asana, which is the postures. After that, we have pranayama, which is the breathing, which you will, that is kind of an actual practice. You sit and you do particular breathing techniques, either in a class or at home. Then you do pratyahara, which is sense withdrawal, and that is not something that there's actual practices for. Like, it doesn't mean blocking your ears or covering your eyes. It's kind of a a subtle practice, which over time you're learning to control your senses, hopefully. (laughs) And then the final three are very internal states, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. Um, Dharana is focused concentration, so that's learning just to hold your mind on one thing. And dhyana goes a little bit deeper, that's meditative absorption, and samadhi is this state of yoga, actually. It's a state of mind, bliss or enlightenment. So those last three are internal states of mind and they can be happening and we can be practicing aspects of them in some of the earlier limbs. Like when we're doing the asana, our postures, we can we will be hopefully also practicing dharana, focused concentration. A term that is sometimes perhaps more commonly known these days is mindfulness. Mindfulness is not yoga, but it's that idea. It's that aware, that idea that when you're doing the moving, that you're very conscious, you're awake and aware of what you're doing. And then possibly if your practice has gone well and deep, there is a possibility that dhyana, a meditative state, will naturally arise And if you're super lucky, you might get into samadhi. So that's just to give you a picture of this idea that when we practice yoga, we have all of these things. It's a very comprehensive practice. It's a comprehensive philosophy. It's not limited to what you do on your mat. So in some ways, maybe that sounds overwhelming, but it's also perhaps if you look at it from another way, it has the potential and the potency to affect all areas of our life. And if you are someone who's struggling with drinking like you're drinking too much. It depends where you are on the continuum, if you've just started to notice that there's sort of a, a minor habit, right down to the end that if it's really got you in its grips, you will know for yourself that it's it's kind of 
multi-dimensional. It's not just a simple thing that's just affecting one area of your life. It gets it gets in. It really does, and it's that's why yoga is such a powerful way for dealing with addiction, because yoga actually covers all areas of your life it covers the physical it covers the emotional it covers the mental and the spiritual and lifestyle habits so what I wanted to dive a little deeper into today if you've just tuned in you're just listening to sober yoga I'm Kate I'm sober and I teach and do yoga as a way of staying sober I want to talk a little bit deeper about this idea of the yamas So this comes from Yoga Sutra 230 and in the the yamas there's actually five. So a yama, the umbrella of what a yama is, is this, it deals with your own ethical standards, your own sense of integrity and it's gives some suggestions on how we can focus and develop our own behavior and how we conduct ourselves in our life. So yoga says this is the start. This is how we start a yoga practice. That we need to get these things sorted if we want to get the benefits from our posture, our asana practice. This is the foundation. And so there's five And I'm not sure if I'm going to get through all five today. I'm going to tell you what they are and then just we'll see where we get to. So the first one, the first yama is this thing called ahimsa. So himsa means harm or violence. So in Sanskrit when you put an ah in front of it, it means not violence. It's that negates it, it's the opposite. So ahimsa, broadly speaking, means doing no harm. The second one is satya, which is truthful, truthfulness. Asteya is non-stealing. Brahmacharya is expansive, so our energy is going to what is good and wholesome. Aparagraha is non-possessiveness, not grabbing. So you can probably see immediately how some of this speaks directly to our behaviours around drinking. If we have a look at Ahimsa, the idea of this is we're wanting to learn and cultivate the practice of Himsa, do no harm. So this includes towards ourselves. So when we look at what's happening to ourselves when when we drink, if you're listening to this, I can assume that you have at some point started doing harm to yourself. It might be in a small degree or it might be big. So one of the ways that we are doing harm to ourselves with our drinking is obviously on that physical layer. And depending on the age 
and the stage of your drinking, that might be just a little bit of harm, like sometimes when you're in your late teens or early 20s, it can seem like, yeah, you get a bit of a hangover or even not. And the the physical harm doesn't seem so obvious. But there's enough research out there now, um, particularly if you're a female, that alcohol is not good for your system. It's actually toxic. So whether you're getting a hangover or not, by the mere fact of drinking, you are actually harming yourself. But for most of us, particularly if you're listening to a sober yoga show, you probably moved into the territory of maybe even starting to damage your liver at some point and maybe nasty hangovers. And the older you get, it seems the more we suffer. That sort of waking up at four o'clock in the morning with dry mouth, that sense of dread, not being able to sleep again, it starts to disrupt all sorts of things in the physical system the older you get. But there's other more subtle ways as well that we harm ourselves when we're drinking and that's often the impetus to stop or stop the harm is usually on some level what we're doing. It's like we know there's a voice within us that talks to us sometimes it is in the middle of the night that's saying actually this is not okay what you're doing is harming on some level and often we abandon ourselves when we drink it's like the compulsion to drink the need to drink the desire to drink silences that part of ourselves who is responsible for taking care of ourselves and we just ditch it, abandon ourselves and fall into a pattern that is destructive. And so this idea of practicing ahimsa, when it comes to looking at what to do about your drinking, it doesn't necessarily mean that you go from daily heavy drinking to stopping altogether. You might, and maybe that's your path. But yoga would say what we want to look at is to start practicing non-harm, to start reducing the suffering. So that might look like just reducing a little bit. It might look like seeing if we can delay the drinking So there's many ways that we can begin to practice this concept, this idea of ahimsa. And possibly if we're drinking and there's the distinct possibility that we're also harming others, whether that's our, our partner or our children, whether it's through our behavior while we're actually drinking or by just not showing up due to hangovers or just feeling un you know not our best self just disappointing behavior at sort of social events you know we if you've drunk too much it's all too easy to kind of say things in a state of intoxication that can be harmful or hurtful to other people so this idea of practicing himsa, ahimsa, sorry, not himsa, we don't want to practice himsa, we want to start, start practicing ahimsa. So the, the beauty about yoga is that 
we start where we're at. This idea that you have to be a vegetarian, healthy person to engage in yoga is really, it's completely the opposite. What yoga is for is to begin a process to begin to reduce our suffering. So for those of us who have a negative relationship with alcohol, it's it's our pattern of alcohol that's causing us suffering. So we just need to sometimes take small steps to look at, okay, I'm still drinking, how, what can I do that will make the harmful effects of this just a little bit less? It's okay to take small steps. It's okay to acknowledge that you may not be in the place to give up altogether and you may be someone who doesn't even need to give up altogether. You may need to just do things to bring, dial back your behavior with alcohol. So that is part of yoga, practicing this idea of ahimsa. So part of yoga just involves self-reflection really, like asking yourself and being brave enough and willing enough to hear the, the, the truth from yourself. You don't need to even engage other people. But it's just asking yourself, how am I harming What harm am I causing myself? And this process in yoga, it's very self-empowering. Yoga is a a path of transformation that is self-empowering, which can be amazing if you're ready to get out of victim mode and you're ready to do your own work. And that's where these yamas and niyamas are very powerful. They're things, they're choices, decisions, behaviors and attitudes that you cultivate for yourself it's irrelevant what's going on around you it's irrelevant what your circumstances or situation is you can always start practicing these attitudes or behaviors so I haven't there's not time in today's show to go over the other ones I will cover them at another time because obviously this um, the second one satya truthfulness that's a biggie for us in um, who have difficult relationship with alcohol because it's talking about truthfulness not necessarily just to other people but the degree of honesty and truthfulness we have with ourselves and usually at some point along the journey of alcohol misuse our relationship with truth gets damaged And the flow-on effect of that can be very negative where we lose trust with ourselves, um, let alone trust with other people. So at another show, I will talk about Satya. So you've been listening to Kate, Kate Bendel. I teach here in Dunedin, if you're listening from Dunedin. Mainly I work one-on-one individually with people who are wanting to address the relationship they have with alcohol. The details of how I work are on my website. That's Kate Bendel. So the Bendel is spelled B-E-N-D-A-L-L. So the website's katebendel.org. And there's ways that you can connect with me there. And equally, if you've been listening to this and know of someone else you think who could benefit 
from a safe, discreet, individual help with their drinking, please encourage them to contact me. And equally, if you've just tuned in and missed most of it or want to listen to this later or give somebody else the opportunity to listen to it later, all the the shows can be listened to as a podcast on the ORFM website. So thank you for listening and I hope there's something there that is useful to you and I'm very open to suggestions about what you want me to cover in this show so use the website as a way of contacting me and I I can really willing and want to talk in a way that brings you answers to some of the questions you might have in this journey of getting alcohol in its right and proper place in your life. So thank you for joining me today. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.